You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. The title of my message today is Return to the Burn. Return to the Burn. Everybody say that, return to the burn. This doesn't have to be weird. Everything Jesus did and being set on fire should be normal. I, we should all be tired of seeing lukewarm Christians that are half-hearted with no passion. And instead, we walk as sissy, weak, a little ho-hum, frumpy Christians, and, we see, and many people see Christianity as weak when the truth is, is I'm the one that's setting the culture and the tone and the standard everywhere I go, not the world. The world may think that they are, but I'm the thermometer, not the thermostat. You're the one that's setting the temperature, not being affected by the temperature in the room. You're the ones that are called to rule and reign because that was the promise from God in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, reign, and have dominion. And so instead of me being affected by the circumstances around me, I'm affecting the circumstances around me. Instead of me looking for a blessing or an open door everywhere I go, God's got an open door for you today. Just go out and look for it. Oh, he's got a blessing every day for you. Instead of looking for it, you become it. Instead of saying, God, where's that blessing? He says, Tad, you are the blessing. And when you become the blessing, blessings come around you everywhere you go. And suddenly every area of your life becomes fruitful and you become, you blossom into everything you do. Whatever you put your hand to shall prosper because God promised it and he says, I delight in it. Instead of you being sheepish and weak and self-conscious and afraid of what other people think, instead of you walking in unmet needs, you have your needs fully met by the Lord. And that applies to everything. Sex, feeling good. You know, God put his people, Adam and Eve, in the garden of pleasure and delight. Eden means pleasure and delight, in case you forgot. And so when the original sin came in, they went and hid in their pleasure and delight. It's the same thing that people do today. People are hiding in pornography, alcoholism, drugs, because they're seeking for pleasure and delight, but the only way to get back to the garden is through Jesus. And we could eat from that tree. We could eat from the tree of life and live abundantly in pleasure and delight without fear or worry. Instead of hiding in shame, covering our hearts, covering ourselves with aprons and fig leaves and being afraid of God's voice, we could come out from hiding into God's voice and God's presence and be lit on fire. That's what God wants for us. And in order for us to be truly and passionately on fire, we have to hear his voice and get back into his presence. We have to hear his voice and get back into his presence. And I'm telling you, you can live this way 24-7. Yes, it takes work. It takes the secret place. It takes fresh manna every day. And manna was always there in the morning. His mercies knew every morning. That's why if you're not a morning person, just pray and ask the Lord to make you a morning person. And I understand being a night person because I was always a night person. But I'm just telling you right now, there's treasures in the morning. There's treasures in the newness of the day. There's treasures. Psalm, David said in Psalm 108, I will awaken the dawn. Awake, loot. Awake, harp. I'll be the one that wakes it up instead of it waking me up. See, God commands light out of darkness. Think about that for a minute. Just ponder that in your mind. He commands light out of darkness, not darkness out of light. I said, God, explain that to me. He said, watch my sunrise. 
every day. I command light out of darkness. Do you know light is in every cell, cell of your body? Everything is made up of light because God's word sustains everything. And in God's word and in God's voice is light. And I've talked about that a lot. And I'm not going to do a whole teaching on it again, but God's word is fired. Jeremiah said that I, he tried to contain, refrain from speaking God's word, and he said, I couldn't contain it. And his word was like a fire shut up inside my bones. Then Jeremiah went on to say that God's word is like a hammer and a fire. Hammers break, fires burn. A hammer can shatter you. That's why Jesus said you can either fall on the rock or the rock can fall on you. And if you, make a, if you decide to fall on the rock, you'll be broken in the right way and a fragrance will come out. But if God's word has to be the hammer, it will crush you to a fine powder. Or the fire can light you on fire or it can burn up things in a way that brings destruction that you don't want. Hence hell. We don't talk about that. But the point is, is that fire can be good and fire can be bad, but God's word is fire. And people are often afraid of God's word. And they're afraid of God's word and they're afraid of the fire. They're afraid of being too fired up, too extravagant. Come to a church like this and, oh, it's too much spiritualism and emotionalism. That's not true. This should be normal. Being in his presence and being extravagant should be the way that it is. And we should be teaching people and showing. That's why we have our kids in here. We don't have our kids in here to inconvenience you. But some people see that as an inconvenience. Do you know that? Can you imagine your children in worship with you as inconveniencing your time to worship? We should be setting the standard and showing our kids. Jesus rocks. He's amazing. And when Cody comes in here and just gave his life to the Lord a few weeks ago, a couple months ago and is now lit on fire and transformed, he gets to watch every day and now he gets to see what real worship and real praise should look like instead of being, oh, ho, hum, little old sheep is quiet, I'm afraid, I don't want anybody to see me, I don't care, I don't want anybody to see what I'm looking like, that's too extravagant. I'm not talking about personalities. Not everybody has to do it my way. You just worship, I don't care how you do it. Sit down, fall down, lay down, stand up, cry, laugh, I don't care. As long as it's not a distraction. Our worship should never be a distraction. And if it's a distraction, then we lovingly correct it. But this should never be a distraction. A shout, a dance, a praise, a song should never be a distraction. But we've seen it that way. And so God is constantly trying to draw us back into his presence and to get us out of fear and isolation and shame. He wants to meet all of your needs, every one of your needs. So if you're not being sexually fulfilled in the natural, God through worship and his presence can fully fulfill you in a way that brings such delight and pleasure that you won't even want to go back. The answer is not more rules and policies and accountability. The answer is God's presence and love and his fire because it changes you. God wants you to be spiritual and he wants you to have revelation. Jesus would say repeatedly, let those who have ears to hear, ear, hear, ear. Let those who have ears to ear, hear, ear. Yeah. <laughs> Why would Jesus say that over and over again? Because he would bring a spiritual, under, the spiritual understanding that he would bring would require spiritual revelation. Everybody's got ears and everybody hears, but not everybody's hearing. 
And I can tell you as a pastor, for 15, 16 years, most of the people that come to me in crisis are not hearing God's voice, and I ask them, and chances are highly likely there's some of you here today that do not feel like you're hearing God's voice. God's voice. Be honest with yourself. I don't feel like God talks to me. I hear it all the time. People come to me as a pastor in crisis because they want me to be the voice of the Lord to them. And we look to TV evangelists and we listen to audio messages of all of our favorite people so we can hear the voice of God from them instead of hearing it for ourselves. And it doesn't mean we don't listen to them and it doesn't mean people shouldn't come to me because I can be the voice of God to people and I'll show you that. God calls high priests out of men. God calls pastors to shepherd, but the purpose is to point you back to him so you can hear the voice of the Lord for yourself. Because when you start hearing the voice of the Lord, it transforms you and sets you on fire. Revelation means a lifting of the lid or an uncovering of the veil. It's the word apocalypto in the Greek or where we get the word apocalypse. And what it means is that God is going to lift the veil so that you can see. He's going to remove any barrier that is between you and God so that you can clearly have access. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, what happened? The veil was ripped in two, which means that you can now come in because he made a way. But the way that you get in is through a revelation. Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say John, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then he looked to Peter and he said, who do you say that I am? Because you've got to get a personal understanding and revelation of who Jesus is. You can't ride on my coattails, the church's coattails, Christianity's coattails. You've got to know and understand who Jesus is for yourself. Yeah. And, G- and what did Peter said? He Peter said, you are the son of God, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And we're always looking for flesh and blood to bring revelation when... God wants to give you a spirit of wisdom revelation. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul's praying for the church in Ephesus, and he starts right out by praying this prayer. This is part of his prayer. After this, he'd say that the eyes of your understanding would be open. It's a spiritual understanding to see. But I want to take a moment to tell you about this scripture because it's full of riches. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, the word of revelation here is similar to apocalypto, but it's apocalypsis. And what it means, it means to fully see, to fully understand his appearing, his coming, his lighting, and the manifestation of who he is. So the premise is, is that when, Rev- when Jesus comes, you get a revelation. When you hear his voice, you get a revelation, and then it lifts the lid. So anything that's hidden in your life, anything that's hidden around you can suddenly come into the light because Jesus came. Now you have revelation, and you understand. And that's what he wants for you. He wants you to understand. But you've got to want it. Jesus would make a way by ripping the veil in two. But now you've got to take the veil off. Because in the, in the garden, a veil was put on when Adam and Eve stepped into shame. And shame's telling you something's wrong with you. God doesn't care about you. The devil is a liar, and he's constantly telling you you're not going to measure up. You're not good enough. People don't like you. Look, no, they're not calling you. They're not talking to you. Those Christians, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. They don't like you. They're never going to accept you for who you really are. You're such a failure. And those are lies that cause us to stay in shame. And Jesus came to break us free of that. He wants to set you free first from yourself so you can be free from others. 
because other people are keeping you bound because you're constantly worried about what they think about you. And that's why Rock City Church is a presence-driven church. Because I just want you to be authentic and be yourself. And guess what? It'll get a little messy because we're a baby in a manger and there's animal, animals all around. But God is killing the animal nature through his presence and his fire. Look at the pattern of the temple. If you wanted to even go, the outer court started with a burning. You want to anywhere get close? Fry. I'm not kidding. In a good way, you have to understand that the point is, is he would burn up the flesh with his presence so you could come in and experience the table of showbread, the, the candlestick, all the promises, and come into his presence to obtain mercy and grace. He wants you to have revelation and understanding in the knowledge of him. The word knowledge is a fantastic word. It's the word epignosis. It means to have full discernment, full disclosure. You ever bought a house or a car and you get a disclosure statement? God's given us a disclosure statement. You can know every single thing about him. That's why I say Psalm 103 is God's EOB. If you want to know the benefits and have a full disclosure of what comes through Jesus Christ, you got to read your Bible, but Psalm 103 gives you a good understanding about it. He makes clear and known with full discretion of who he is. He gives full disclosure. It's the word epignosis. It's similar to the word epignosco, which means to become fully acquainted with. I am fully acquainted with God, and every day I become more. So I can represent him in a loving, powerful way that's not haughty and cocky. It's not about me anymore. It's about me loving you the way he's loved me. This is opposite of the word gnosko. I'm sorry, this is opposite of the word agnostic. Agnostic means you don't know. Agnostic means ignorance. So knowledge of him is epic, epi, which means superimposed. I'm going to teach you a little bit of Greek here. Epi means coming from above and laying on top. Think matrix. A download of supernatural understanding and revelation where God superimposes his understanding upon you. And now your knowledge is not, you're not being led by your intellect, but you're being led by the knowledge in him. That's why I always say intellect is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And Jesus was crucified on Golgotha, which was the place of the skull. And he took the, the thorns in his head, which represented the curse to the ground. So he redeemed everything that was lost and stolen. The garden was full of trees, and God said to take and freely eat from any tree in the garden. Newsflash. Pot is a weed. Weed came after the fall. I'm just telling you. Thorns, weeds. It's like, man, God told me it's all right. I can. He gave all the trees in the garden to eat. There's nothing wrong with smoking a little doobie. Fall of man. Just telling you right now. Fall of man, okay? God would want to give you understanding by his spirit and not by your natural intellect, like that one. Some of you are going, huh? People ask me, I'll say, what's wrong with just a little doobie, a little bit of, little bit of pot? He gave all the trees. It's like, come on, guys. I deal with that all the time because I think people think I smoke pot for some odd reason. I don't know why. <laughs> But you know what? It opens up a lot of doors to talk to a lot of potheads. I'll just tell you that. So he wants you to have knowledge, not to, not to be an agnostic. 
But do you know that we can live as Christians and still have agnostic principalities in our life or principles in our life? Here's how. If I don't love you the way that Jesus loves me and the way that Jesus loves, that the Bible says in 1 John that I don't know him. I've been teaching that. When I choose to sin and go my own way and miss the mark or I don't love the way he loves me, I don't know God in that moment. Think about that. I know him and love him, of course, but the way that I'm acting means that I don't know the way he would really act, and that in turn means I'm living as an agnostic because agnostic says you don't really know. Just be honest with yourself. And there's a lot of areas in our own lives where we can live thinking God doesn't really show us that. We can't really know. How can you know? But Jesus said in Mark 4.11 that the mysteries of the kingdom of God are revealed for us. And it doesn't mean I'm living in so, oh, weird mystery land. It means that I'm pursuing the Lord, and he gives me understanding about situations and circumstances and people. And now I have lordship in my life instead of me trying to do it my own way. It's not weird religion. <coughs> it's supernatural faith. It's supernatural faith. God wants you to have wisdom and revelation and the clear knowledge of him. And if the lid is lifted, then something's keeping us back from seeing and understanding who God really is. If the lid isn't lifted, we don't hear his voice. And when something isn't revealed, it's in the dark. If the light doesn't shine, it's keeping something in the dark. That's why uh, John said, walk in the light as he is in the light. And anybody that walks with him, there's no darkness. I said, well, God, I don't understand. I see some darkness in my life. He says, keep watching me, and my light and my fire will burn that out of your life. And we're in this constant process of maturing and growing. You can become more spiritual. It doesn't mean you're better, higher, and mighty. It means I'm more humble, and I'm a servant more, and I care more about The more spiritual I become, the more of a servant and a lover I become. But you can become mature and more spiritual. And some of you have got to grow out of the milk stage to the meat stage. And you're stuck because it's comfortable. And ultimately, at the end of the day, there's no fire. There's no life. We come to church every week. Where's the fire? I'm just saying I love you guys so much, but we should be on fire. And the reason why we should be on fire is because we should be hearing God's voice. It's God's voice that sets us on fire. When you don't know something, the Bible calls it ignorant. You're ignorant. It doesn't mean that you're stupid, but you can do stupid things. Have you ever said, man, I, ah, that was so stupid. I don't know why I just did that. Come on. We've all in some way, shape, or form said, but I got a news flash for you. Spirit of stupid is not a gift to the spirit. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We all can go. We all can agree on that, right? So God doesn't want the spirit of stupid in your life. He wants you to be spiritual. 1 Corinthians 12.1, we talk about this a lot. Concerning the spiritual gifts, he doesn't want you to be ignorant. Now, the word gifts was added. It's italicized in your Bible. Really what it's saying is concerning being spiritual, I don't want you to be ignorant. Being spiritual, the word spiritual is the word pneumaticos. It's pneumaticos. It means to be wind-driven and inspired by the breath of God all times. So God wants you always hearing his voice and moving in his breath at all times. So when I go into the hospital and somebody's got stage four cancer, anytime, anywhere I go, they hear I'm a pastor. You just go into a hospital and visit somebody. You want to pray for somebody, go sit at the ER. I sat there for seven and a half hours and I prayed for every single person that sat next to me. I said, God, just line them up. 
I don't have to go into the ER room and shout out and be weird and just walk around laying hands on everybody. I just sat there and said, God, send them. Just go sit where everybody smokes. And they'll come sit by you. And you look and say, what's going on with you? Oh, man, I'm, I'm overcoming heroin addiction, and I'm in the hospital because I've been so sick, and I've got abscess all around my legs and feet because I've been shooting up everywhere in my body. Well, do you know that Jesus can heal you? Do you know that he loves you? No, I think Jesus hates me. Well, let me tell you why Jesus loves you and that that's a lie. And people are weeping and crying, and I'm laying hands on people, and I'm just believing that they're all getting healed. I'm believing every one of them is getting set free from cancer, and I'm not worried or afraid what they're going to say because I'm telling you most people want prayer. They want what you have, but the devil wants to tell you you're not good enough, you're not spiritual enough, and oh, your prayer's not going to work. And what happens if nobody gets healed? It's so weird. Can I pray for you? Oh, I'm gonna, let me just pray for you right now. And in Jesus' name, I command that sickness to come out. And I don't care what anybody thinks or says because they're sick and dying. And we're so self-conscious and so worried about whether they're going to like you or not. And oh, gosh, I don't want to be that weird Christian. Then don't be that weird Christian. There's a news flash. Be normal. I have the king of kings in my life. I'm not, I'm not arrogant and haughty, but I'm confident and I'm bold. And I have something everybody wants. And it's better than a lottery ticket. I have something everybody needs. They don't even realize that they want it, but I, we have something everybody needs. So God wants you to be spiritual. And he says, I don't want you to be an agnostic. This is the word agnostic. Ignorant. The word is actually agnoi, and it means to not know. Now, there's a lot of things I'm ignorant about. My friend Chris works for a payroll provider company. I don't know anything about what he does, except that I get a paycheck from his company. That Well, it's from my company, but via his company. I'm totally ignorant. That doesn't mean I'm stupid, and that doesn't mean that I'm a dummy, but it means that I don't know. Keep it simple. There's a lot of things you don't know about God that he wants to reveal to you, And how can you tell if you don't know? You can tell if there's darkness and you're not hearing his voice and you're walking in shame, condemnation, and fear. Depression and anti-anxiety drugs drugs are the top two most prescribed drugs in the nation. ADD drugs and anti-anxiety because we need pills to keep us awake. We need pills to put us to sleep. We're always seeking to numb out and put out and hide and isolate, or we're seeking pleasure in all the wrong places when God designed a garden for you to have full pleasure, and that garden should first be in your heart, then it'll be in your family, in your friends, in your community, in your church, and everywhere you go, you create a garden because you're the fruit of the earth. You're the fruit of God's kingdom. So now when you go, you have something ripe for the picking because when he said be fruitful, he said be a mighty tree that produces fruit for people to take and constantly have it. So you should constantly have it, and you only get it by laying your life down, looking at him constantly, following him, taking up your cross, and getting into the secret place. You'll only get it there. You can have an experience here, but an experience will not change you forever. Cultivating a personal life with God and hearing his voice is what changes you. And I can't preach on it enough. When people sin, miss the mark, or do foolish things, or they allow the spirit of stupid to come upon them, then they're clearly ignorant and being deceived into darkness. And the Bible speaks a lot about ignorance and being deceived. I'm not going to go down that road today. Instead, I'm going to call you back into his presence, into his word. Other reasons why people hide, like we talked about last week, are fear, shame, and control. When you're afraid or you're ashamed, you take control to preserve, preserve yourself. 
And there's a lot of people preserving themselves today, aren't there? What I want to tell you, stop trying to preserve yourself. Stop trying to protect yourself. I'm not judging you. I'm not angry at you. I'm not mad at you. And I can show you in the Bible where God's not angry with you. And he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But he came that the world through him would have abundant life. The world's already in condemnation. And so if you haven't come to Christ and come back into his presence and you're not hearing his word, we have a crisis. The word condemnation in the New Testament is the word crisis in the Greek. It means we're, you're living in crisis. And I want to call you out of crisis today. You're going to live in abundance, not crisis. Look what Adam and Eve did when they sinned in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Thank you. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Another way to say it is, how did you get here? God wants you to realize and get a self-revelation, realization of how you got to where you got. How did we get to the spot where people aren't on fire and passionate and having dominion? How did people get to the spot where they're not being fruitful and multiplying? Why has the church in so many ways lost his voice? If I have anything to do with it, we will not lose our voice. In fact, we'll be a louder and bolder in the way that God intended it to be. Not with some weird bullhorn on the street corner telling people they're going to hell. That's not the answer. And so they hid in the trees of the garden from the presence of God. And God called to them. And he said, I, hear, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. Can anybody tell me that was not here in the first service what the sound of the Lord God walking sounds like? Because they certainly, they certainly hid. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking. The mighty wind, thunder. Well, let me just tell you that the word for sound here in the King James is actually the word voice, and the word for sound and voice are interchangeable. Because if you actually go back to verse 10, it's Adam said, I heard your voice. So the word sound and the word voice are interchangeable, just like they are in the New Testament. Now, some of my friends are here and haven't heard me fully talk about this, and some of you may be visiting today. But wherever you hear sound or voice in the New Testament, it's the word phone, like your telephone. And it means to have a clear, distinct tone or sound and to have clear communication. So God always wants you on a phone call to communicate with him and to hear his sound so you know that he's calling you. Think phone, and there's no voicemail. You're not sending God to voicemail, okay? The point is, is you're in communion with him. The root word of phone is the word foes, which means rays of light or fire. So when God speaks, it's he speaks fire into your life and it awakens you. When you hear God's voice, I'm telling you, have you ever heard anybody say, man, God's been talking to me all day long, and I'm so depressed? <laughs> God's been talking to me nonstop, and I'm so full of shame and darkness and anxious because God's voice sets you free. God's word sets you free. When you hear, and we're always looking, man, I need that prophet to come. I need that pastor to talk to me. Man, I just wish the pastor would talk to me. Everybody lines up. Pastor's got to pray. If I just say right now, I'll pray for all of you, man. You'll all line up. But if my prayer team comes up, only about 20 or 30 of you will come up. Because we all think it's got to be the, the pastor or the prophet. When the truth is, is you can hear God's voice for yourself if you'll just listen and take off the veil and come out of hiding. Right. So let's keep looking at this. 
The word for sound and voice in the Old Testament is just like the word for sound or voice in the New Testament. But one's in Greek and one's in Hebrew. And the word for, in the Hebrew for sound and voice is the word kol. Kol. Literally like the kol that we know. Now it's spelled Q-O-W-L in the Hebrew, but it's pronounced K-O-L-E. Just go to your dictionary and type in the meaning of kol. It means a burning ember. And the sound of God of the Lord God walking in the garden sounded like coals of fire being lit. It was crackling. If you've ever gone hunting, especially for elk in black timber, you better walk careful because the forest is quiet, but one step on a twig, snap. So here comes God walking, and, it's, and it was crackling like fire being lit. It was coals of fire coming, and as soon as they heard the sound or the voice of God, they hid. Because God's voice can either kill you or set you free, and their intellect said, God's voice will kill me. You say, I'll put it in more perspective for you. When Moses took the Israelites to Sinai, they first get into the desert, they get right to Sinai, what do they see? The presence of God's on the mountain, lightning, thunder, flashes, all of these things, and they were terrified. Today, people are terrified of God's voice. Today, people are hiding in shame, fear, and worry, but God is calling people back into his presence. So when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking, and by the way, if you look up this word here in the Hebrew, it means to hear intellectually. So they heard with their intellect, oh no, here comes God. Their intellect, suddenly they had already eaten, now their intellect was lost, and they became their own ruler, and they listened and said, here comes God's voice, I can hear God's voice, and it's going to kill me, I should be afraid and run and hide. And the devil's constantly telling people that God doesn't love you, he doesn't care about you, he wants to destroy you, there's lies everywhere that God made me sick. I made my bed, now I have to lie in it. God helps those who help themselves. All of those are unbiblical. All of them. And we have warped perception about who God is and how much he loves and how much he cares for us. And so people hide from his presence. And God doesn't want you to hide from his presence. He wants you to come into the light and he wants you to hear his voice and respond and let the fire burn out things inside of you because God has a way. His word is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap, the Bible says. And so if you'll just let God come into your life and let Jesus circumcise your heart with his word, you'll get lit on fire. That's what the word does. The word circumcises your heart. That's why God put a flaming sword to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden. And man, it said there was a flaming sword going every way, guarding the way back to the tree of life. And that flaming sword is God's word that needs to cut and penetrate your heart. And if you'll let God's fire and God's word come back into you like Lauren prayed today, it will draw you right back into his presence and it doesn't have to be weird. And you get God's word and voice. You can hear him obviously through other preachers and pastors and TV ministers. You can hear him at church. You can hear him in your worship. And you especially need to hear him in the secret place. God is always talking. There's no hide and seek with God. In fact, let's have Nathan come back up because I love that song. God doesn't give himself to us in pieces, and God doesn't hide from us to tease us. But we think that God plays hide and seek when we're the ones that play hide and seek. We're the ones that even unknowingly can hide from God's presence because we're afraid. What's he going to make me look like? What's he going to make me do? Listen, I did this last week, and I had so much fun. How's my hair look right now? Does it look good? Let me fluff it up for you a little bit. 
because I don't really care what anybody thinks or says. Because when I get in God's presence, he makes me wild. It doesn't matter. I want to be like that guy on the end of the pencil who's had his hair nice and fixed. And then you do the pencil like this and pow, his hair's everywhere. And God takes you and puts you in his hand and he does this to you. And he does whatever he wants to do because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Why do we care what everybody else thinks or says? He set you free from that. And he set you free from that and he made a way for you. David said in Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures, there's the word pleasures, the garden of Eden, pleasure and delight. At the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. And so he's telling you that he'll show you the path of life and in his presence you're completely made complete. Fullness of joy is completely made complete in his presence. That's why so many people come to church. People come off the streets all the time. And they say, man, I don't know what it is. I come into that church. I feel the presence. I feel so safe, but I will walk out there. That's because you're allowing the darkness of this world to rob what Jesus already died for and gave you. If you'll take a hold of it, you don't have to let those things affect you no matter where you are. You can sleep under a bridge and still set the temperature around you and not be affected by the darkness coming against you. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, this hope we have is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence. Look, notice it's capital P, which enters the presence for us, even Jesus having become our high priest. He was the forerunner. The presence is behind the veil, but the veil's ripped in two, and now you have access. So Jesus gave you access. Jesus gave you, everybody say that, Jesus gave me access. Every day, night and day. For every need that you have. I'm going to leave you with, these, with this scripture and then we're going to pray. You guys have probably heard Hebrews 4.12 many times. The word of God is living and active, sharp, and it pierces, right? I've quoted that so many times. But have you ever thought about the context of that scripture? The literary context of that scripture? If you haven't, let me sum it up for you. All of chapter 4 is about not hardening your heart and hearing God's voice. Today, if you'll hear the phone call and you'll answer it and you'll get back in communication with God, and if you won't harden your heart like the Israelites did in the wilderness and like Adam and Eve did in the garden, because as soon as they ate, their hearts were hardened. So if you'll hear his voice and not harden your heart, you'll be completely set free. That's chapter 4. Just summed it up for you. And then he goes on to say this. He said, you can enter God's rest now if you'll hear his voice. And God's rest is his presence. Is God still resting from the garden today? The answer is yes. There was no night and day on the seventh day. It was seventh day he rested when every other day there was a morning and a night. Seventh day is still going on right now. I can show it to you in scripture. Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Even Jesus is sitting and resting. Even Jesus' authority comes from a place of government rest. And his footstool is the earth and he's waiting for all of his enemies to be under his feet and we're his hands and feet and he says you can fight from a position of rest not fear worry and anxiety you should be fighting from a place of confidence and love not i'm anxious i'm nervous i'm worried i'm afraid i'm stressed out that's all darkness fruit of darkness and so god is still sitting and he's still waiting and he's still resting and he wants you to rest and he wants us to enter back into the rest. The rest would be his presence. Look at the scripture, verse 11. Go back to verse 11. He wants you to come back into his rest. 
and don't follow the same example. And then verse 12, he gives you the tool of how to do it. See, we often see this as the word is powerful, and it is, and it does all these things. It's energetic, and when it says powerful, that's the word where, where we get the word energy, and it's sharp, and it pierces, and it cuts, and it separates the darkness from light in your life so that the next verse can happen, which is verse 13, that you'll come out of hiding and understand that God's word lays everything bare, and it brings you into his presence and his light because he already sees everything. He already sees everything. And when it says to give an account, that word account is the word, same word for logos, and it's the same word, and it says, I'm going to give an account because I'm a living epistle. And then look at 14, seeing then as we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The root word for confession is the word covenant. I'm confessing my covenant and the promises of God and my life as a living epistle and the word that he's given me back to him. And I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed anymore because Jesus went through the high, through the heavens and became our high priest in verse 15. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we could come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Mercy means that God has compassion and kindness upon us in the midst of our shortcomings. He has mercy upon us. Grace means that God has unmerited favor upon your life. It means that he empowers you with his love because his favor's upon you. Now, let me ask you a question. How often do you need mercy and grace? That's where we started. When is the time of need that you should come before the throne? How often? So where should you be dwelling? Back in his presence. You can live there. Doesn't mean that you're weird religious. Doesn't mean I'm talking Christianese all the time. I'm going to have fun with my friends the next several days. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be silly and goofy. But it's going to be in the presence and the love and the life of God, which makes our relationships even greater. That's what forged my friendships with Scotty and Chris and Ryan and Jeremy and Josh and Pat and so many of you. True friendships are forged in the fires of his presence and his love. It doesn't mean you have to have a Bible study every time you get together. Go to a movie, go to Fridays, be silly and giggle, but don't let the spirit of stupid come upon you. Just be in his presence and be full of his love and his life and hear God's word, guys. Listen, the sound of the Lord was coals of fire, this, and that day, it sounded like something. Today, when you hear the call and the voice of God, it produces something inside of you that causes you to live and be fired up. And that's what I want for you. Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life, and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!